0: Have you ever worked for a horrible boss? Maybe someone like Meryl Streep's character in this clip from The Devil Wears Prada? In this movie, Streep is a genuinely terrible person to work for. She's rude, mistreats her employees, she's contemptuous, she's bossy. She's a genuinely bad boss. Have you ever worked for someone like that? Someone for whom you need to gird up your loins? Maybe you've worked for a boss like this in the past. Or maybe you work for a boss like this right now. Or perhaps you have a different kind of horrible-ish boss. (laughs) Maybe your boss is Indifferent or intolerant. Maybe they're angry. Maybe they hold a grudge. You, you screwed something up five years ago and they keep hanging it over your head. The fact is, many of us have had bad bosses, or at least bad experiences with bosses, and when that happens, we don't like it. So why am I asking you to think about your boss Today, Why am I reminding you about work on a Sunday, the one day you don't have to think about your boss? Well, it's because here at Rooftop, we believe that our faith impacts every part of our lives, including our jobs. And we're talking about this in our series here at Rooftop, Faith at Work. And the big message of this series is that faith in the risen Son of God, faith in Jesus, makes a difference in everything we do, including our jobs, including the difficult parts of our jobs. So this morning, we're going to think and we're going to reason about what it means to follow Jesus while also having to work for bosses who aren't always that great. But before we dive in, a word to those of you who are sitting here thinking, okay, this sounds interesting, but my boss is pretty good. Well, my encouragement to you is listen anyways, because even though your current boss might be good, statistically that's unlikely to stay the case. Americans work between 12 and 15 jobs in their lifetime, and no one is going to bat 1,000 when it comes to getting a good boss. So even if you don't have a bad boss now, you might have a bad boss in the future. Or some of you are sitting here and you're like, my boss is okay, it's my coworkers who are the problem. And Pastor Matt's going to talk about that more in two weeks, but this morning there are going to be some principles that also apply to dealing with Horrible co-workers. And finally, there are some of you out there who don't really have a boss or have a good boss, but you are also a boss to other people. And my encouragement to you this morning is don't be Meryl Streep. Because according to business guru Marcus Buckingham, people don't quit bad jobs. They quit bad jobs bosses. So use this morning as an opportunity to check your leadership, to make sure that you are being a good boss to the employees that God has entrusted to you. Now, having to work for a horrible boss is something that I have some personal experience with. And before you ask, no, I am not talking about Pastor Matt and the rooftop elders. Make that very clear. For those of you who don't know my story, my wife Haley and I moved to St. Louis in 2014 so that I could pursue a PhD at St. Louis University. For a long time, I thought that my, God's calling on my life was to be a college professor. But then I encountered a horrible boss. And I won't go into all of the sort of details, but this guy was arrogant, he was proud. He could learn nothing from anyone. He was dismissive and belittling if you were even slightly if you disagreed, even slightly with him. And if his boss wasn't watching, look out because he could be vindictive and cruel. And because of this, uh, the department I worked in was not a fun place to be. It was a very toxic environment. There was a lot of anxiety in a lot of office politics. And in fact, things got so bad that people were being fired, people were leaving the department, grad students were being forced out, and the university actually had to get involved in level disciplinary action on the department because of this boss. It was a miserable place to work most days. And the worst part of it was that my Horrible boss had it out for me. He didn't like me. He wanted to fire me. He wanted to get rid of me, and it was no fun. And I was talking to one of my friends about this one morning, and he said, "Hey Jacob, you know it, it sucks that you're you're you have a horrible boss, but Romans 13, man, submit to those in authority." Good luck. And I didn't want to submit to my boss. I didn't want to obey my boss. I didn't want to honor my boss. No, what I wanted to do was go into my backyard and gather some of the refuse that my dogs leave there, light it on fire, and leave it on my boss's porch. That's what I wanted to do. And just so the Chesterfield Police Department knows, I never actually did that. Just to be very, very clear with that what did I do? How did I respond to my horrible boss? How can any of us respond to our horrible bosses? What can we say? What can we do? How do we follow Jesus while also working with someone whom we can't seem to please? Well, let me share another story with you. A story about a boss and his employer, employee, that happened about a thousand years before Jesus walked the earth. It happened during a time when kings ruled God's people. And if you've ever read the first part of the Christian Bible, the Old Testament, you know that warfare was a really common thing for God's people. And warfare is the context of our story today. Israel, God's people, has, have just defeated their arch enemies the Philistines. So follow along with me. As they were coming home from their victory, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, this is the story of David and Goliath, the women came out of all of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. And Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled his spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. And so here we have the beginning of our story, a boss who does not like his employee, a boss who is jealous of his employee and angry at him. And through the next several chapters of 1 Samuel, the Old Testament book that the story comes from, David and Saul's relationship gets worse. Saul does less and less leading and he gives David more and more work. And as these work rela- as tends to happen in these work relationships, things come to a head. A few chapters later, Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. That is, what Saul had tried to do in private, he was now going to do in public. He was going to get rid of David. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Yes, your Bible talks about that too. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. What would seem good to you in that situation? What would seem good to you if you found your horrible boss in a comparably vulnerable situation. Remember, Saul has been a terrible boss. He has been angry, he has been violent, he has been jealous, he has been petty. He is literally trying to kill David here. What would you do? What does David do? Well, then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. And so David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. And so not only did David not harm Saul, but he actually convinced his co-workers not to harm Saul too. While Saul is chasing him, while Saul is being a terrible boss, David recognizes that Saul is in a position of authority and he has been put there by God. And so David does the right thing. When faced with his horrible boss, David stands tall. He doesn't repay evil for evil. He doesn't repay death threat for death threat. He doesn't let his horrible boss distract him from the work that God has called him to. He doesn't let his horrible boss prevent him from living the life of holiness that God has said he needs to follow. No. When faced with his horrible boss, David does the right thing. He stands tall. Now, you may hear this story, and you may say to yourself, Cool. Good for David. Good for this guy in the Bible. He did the right thing. Whoa. Never never saw that in the Bible before. But I'm not David. And my boss isn't Saul. What am I supposed to do in my situation? And I get it. I get it. It is hard to just look at David and go, oh, let's do the right thing when my boss is being horrible to me. But Scripture has a message for us this morning, and that message is when we have our own horrible bosses, we can stand tall too. When our bosses are arrogant or annoying or frustrating or they seem to be trying to ruin our lives, when our bosses are horrible, we can stand tall. Like David, we can do the right thing. And it's in these moments that the words of Jesus are of special importance. Words like, Love your enemies at work. Pray for those who persecute you while you're on your job. It's important that we cry out to God and that we ask him for strength and wisdom so that we can not repay evil for evil but overcome evil with good. It's through the power of Jesus that we're able to do the right thing. That we're able to work at our jobs and not let our boss distract us from what we're supposed to do. It's because of God's power that we can live the life of holiness that God has called us to. When we, like David, face a horrible boss by God's power, we can stand tall. We can do the right thing. And for the rest of our time together this morning, I want us to think about how we can do that, how we can stand tall. Because it's not enough to go, hey, Joe, I'm really sorry your your boss treats you like a piece of dung. Do the right thing. It's not enough. We need to think about how we should do the right thing, what we should be doing. And fortunately, the Bible is full of principles about how to treat our bosses. And fortuitously, those principles spell the word tall as in stand tall as in my boss is rubbing off on me and so what do you do when you're faced with a horrible boss you stand tall you turn to god ask what may be true lead yourself and look at the big picture so let's break this down first Turn to God. Bring your problems at work to God in prayer. David actually does a really good job of this. When David is running from Saul in the story that we read earlier, he actually writes a couple of psalms. Psalms are prayerful songs to God about what's going on. And one of these psalms is Psalm 43, which says, Vindicate me, O God. Defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man, (coughs) Saul. Deliver me. And I love the Psalms because they show us that we don't have to pretend like everything is okay when we talk to God. They remind us that we can be real. We can share what we're really feeling. And the big lesson from David here is that when you're having an experience with your horrible boss... Before you vent to your spouse, before you complain to your co-workers, before you rant and rave all over social media, first, turn to God in prayer. Bring your anxieties and your troubles with your boss to God. A few years ago when I was working a, a fairly menial job um, as I was making ends meet while well, in grad school... Uh, I had the supervisor. And uh, the supervisor was obsessed with goofing off at work. It was like the only thing he ever did. And this came to the attention of management. And management wasn't thrilled. And they had some very strong things to say to the supervisor and to all of us who worked under him because they assumed that if he was goofing off, the rest of us were too. And this was a little frustrating to me because I like to get work done. And I remember going home one night and just talking to Haley and just venting to Haley about how frustrated I was at my supervisor and how frustrated I was at management and how unfair and unjust it was that we were being punished for my supervisor's mistake. And I went on and on and on. And at the end of it, Haley looked at me and she said, well, have you prayed about it? No, woman, I haven't prayed about it but of course that's what I should have done before venting I should have turned to God in prayer and that's what all of us can do when we face our horrible bosses too turn to God think with me for a moment what is your boss doing that frustrates you what is driving you crazy what are you venting about to your coworkers or your family or your friends? You have that in your head? I have something in mine. Turn to God. Give it to God. Pray to him about it because when we bring God our troubles and our cares, he will answer our prayers. The second thing to do when you face a horrible boss is you can ask what may be true. And this, this one is hard. Because you have to consider if there is anything legitimate, if there is any legitimate criticism that your boss can make of you. Think seriously about whether your boss might be right. About something however poorly they communicate that could you be doing a better job at work in Ephesians 6 7 Paul says that we're supposed to work as to the Lord and not to men when you go to work on Monday are you doing the same excellent work for your employer that you would for God As Christians, Jesus says that we, when we work, we bring glory to God. And one of the ways that we can bring glory to God is by taking very seriously the feedback and the criticisms that are true that our bosses give us. And that applies even when the feedback we get is not delivered in the way that we want it to be. I have a professor friend who had a, uh, a speech that he would travel throughout the world giving. He would go all over giving this lecture, and one time a small church of just a few dozen people asked him uh, to give this lecture to them. And as a favor to a friend, he said, sure, I'll come and I'll, I'll give my speech. And so he came to the church, and he just he nailed it. He was on point, he was focused, he was high energy, everyone loved it. And at the end of his speech, as was his custom, he asked the audience for feedback, asked them what they thought. And this little old lady stood up and she said, uh, you know, thank you for thank you for, for, for doing this. And you know, some of the stuff was over my head, but I have one, I have one suggestion for you. And the professor was a little amused that this little old lady in this little tiny church could have something of value for him who had delivered this lecture to, to many audiences across the world. But he asked, he said, hey, yeah, sure, like tell me, tell me what you would change. And she said, uh, perhaps next time before speaking, you could double check that you've zipped up your pants. (laughs) Feedback is not always pleasant. In some times, it is downright embarrassing. But it's always important. It's always important to hear the truth of people's feedback and criticism of us. What might you be able to do better at your job that your boss is trying to communicate to you? Maybe you're not as hard a worker as you think you are. Maybe you complain a lot. Maybe your projects aren't nearly as flawless as you make them out to be. What is it that your boss is trying to communicate? Ask yourself what may be true as they interact with you. The third thing to do when faced with a horrible boss is to lead yourself. In Luke 16:10, Jesus says, The one who is faithful in very little will also be faithful in much, and the one who is dishonest in very little will also be dishonest in much. Leading yourself means taking responsibility and being faithful with what God has given you. It means recognizing that only you are in charge of how you think and you act and you respond to your boss. Because the truth is, you may not be in charge at work, but you are in charge of yourself. Your boss may be a selfish, arrogant, horrible person to work for, but only you are in charge of how you respond to that. So lead yourself. And I think the person who exemplifies this the most for me is my dad. My dad is a forensic pathologist who for about 10 years worked for an organization uh, that was very poorly managed. The work conditions were substandard. Uh, His bosses would promise him things and then just not fulfill them. Uh, Very often, dad would uh, have to drive an hour in one direction to work on a case, only to have to turn around and drive two hours in the other direction because there was no central facility to work at. Uh, My dad's bosses put him in a temporary office, It was little more than a closet. And they left him there for five years. My dad, who is an incredibly intelligent person, who leads national organizations of doctors and wins all sorts of awards, would have been well within his rights as an employee to criticize his boss. But he recognized that he couldn't control what they were doing. He could only lead himself. And so while Dad worked to make things better at his job, he worked harder on leading himself, on making sure that his attitude was in the right place and that he was doing excellent work. When we are frustrated by our bosses, it's important that we lead ourselves. That we take responsibility for the things that we are in control of and that we recognize that we can't control our bosses. And if you want to learn more about leading yourself, I highly, highly recommend this book by Pastor Clay Scroggins. It's called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. And it's filled with all sorts of really practical wisdom and advice on what to do when you have a horrible boss and what to do when you're not in charge. Self-leadership is difficult, but it's really important as you stand tall and do the work that God has called you to do. And the fourth part of standing tall when facing a horrible boss is to look at the big picture. Amidst the daily grind of your work, don't forget that there's more going on. Two weeks ago, Pastor Matt explained the big picture of the Christian theology of work. That in the beginning, when God created the world and it was good, work was good. Work was meaningful. But that when creation uh, fell under the reign of sin, that work became hard. It became toil. And that when Jesus came and died on the cross, which, by the way, we're celebrating on Friday. Join us for that celebration, because that's important. When Jesus died on the cross, he made possible the redemption of the world and the redemption of work. Your work can be meaningful. And because of Jesus' work on the cross, your work can be part of God's redemption of the world. Both the actual work that you do and how you do it. How you interact with your boss and your coworkers. That can be part of how God redeems the world. Because you see, Your boss might be a horrible person who is a terror to work with and needs a whole lot of forgiveness for their shortcomings. But so do you. We are not perfect people. We are not perfect employees. Why do we think we can hold ourselves to a standard of perfection? Why do we think we can hold our bosses to a standard of perfection that we cannot hold ourselves to our horrible bosses deserve just as much grace and forgiveness as we do for our horrible sins remember who you are you're a sinner in need of forgiveness and remember who you are in Christ you're a saint who has been redeemed Because of what Jesus has done, you can look forward to meaningful, God-honoring work. You don't have to do work that is just drudgery under the lead of a horrible boss. But when you find yourself in a horrible job under the leadership of a horrible boss, because of Christ, you can be part of the redemption story there by showing your boss love and forgiveness. My sister Mary uh, who lives with Haley and I experienced this this past week. Uh, Mary got sick this past week and lost her voice because of the ridiculous amount of pollen that seems to have been in the air air here in St. Louis. And uh, Mary works Uh, with people, and so she has to have her voice to talk. And so she knew her voice was gone, and so she contacted her boss, and she said, hey, my voice doesn't work. Do you still want me to come in to work? And her boss left her hanging, didn't respond. And the next morning, Mary, being a good employee, got up at 5, went to work at 6, and got sent right home because she didn't have a voice, and it would have been really easy for Mary to let her boss ruin her day, to be angry at her boss for not communicating and being, quite frankly, pretty lazy. But Mary recognized that her boss is only human. Her boss screws up, and so she extended her boss grace. When our bosses are annoying, when our bosses are horrible, Look at the big picture and show them grace. They're not always going to deserve it, but that's okay because we don't deserve the grace we've been shown either. So, what do we do when we have a horrible boss? Quite simply, we follow Jesus. We love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. We don't repay evil for evil. We turn to God, and we ask him for the strength and the wisdom to get through what is going on in our lives, and we stand tall. We turn to God, we ask what may be true, we lead ourselves, and we look at the big picture. Rooftop, your faith can make a difference in your work. You only have to let it. Next week, as Pastor Matt said, we will be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. I hope to see all of you there. In two weeks, we're going to be continuing this series on faith at work, and Pastor Matt will be delivering a message called, Help! I Hate My Coworkers! Which I really hope does not involve anyone that I know. It would be awkward. Uh, join me in praying for us as we close out our message this morning. Father, thank you for bosses. For their leadership and their guidance of our work. Lord, thank you for work. For the blessings it brings us. For the provision it provides. And for the opportunity it gives us to be part of your restoration of the world. Father, when work is difficult, help us to stand tall. When we're faced with bad bosses or frustrating circumstances, empower us to turn to you. Lord, you gave us so much grace, and you continue to give us so much forgiveness. And as we celebrate Jesus' life and his death and his defeat of death this week, give us your spirit. Give us your grace so that we can be gracious. We could be forgiving of others, especially our bosses. And it's in Christ's name we pray.